And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are part of the Athletic Podcast Network. And with me today, as always, on Mondays, is my good friend, Michele Vera. Michele, what's up? It's a sad day. Like, three <laughs> wins. It's too early. It's too early for three I wins, mean, guys. What are we doing here? Yeah, we're already like a third into the number of victories that uh, someone predicted. So I know it's, uh, it's too much. I know the uh, the Zach Lowe prediction of of nine wins is uh, looking quite stupid on this Monday. Uh, as are all of the early season takes from all of the talking heads, looking pretty bad because this team is. They're certainly not a good team. That Spurs team was not good last night. And what was kind of nope. funny is I leaned over to Joe Masato right before the second half started. And I said, you know what? I'm going to predict they're going to win this game. They're down 10. You should stop. You should really stop. That is on you. Like you already All... predicted the Lakers twice. Yeah, I did. Stop it. I, I predicted it because they're down 10 and they played as horrific as they could have. Yeah. It could not have yeah. been much worse in the first half. No shots were going down. Their defense was... There was no pop to it at all. There was no physicality on the Thunder side whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And like they did, I don't think they shot a free throw once at the Spurs by halftime. So yeah. that's that shows you how physical they were. And then the game really kind of ticked up. The Thunder got in gear. They were... They had it tied within just a couple minutes. And, you know, that was, you know, it was kind of within question at the end there, but the Thunder played solid defense there at the end. They didn't let them get a a three-point shot off, even though the Spurs put only three-point shooters out there. There was, and that's what the Spurs really lack and something that the Thunder have two of is they don't have a good offensive initiator. Like, they don't have one. Yeah. You know, like Keldon Johnson was really about the only guy that was going to get his. And then yeah. DeJounte Murray's okay. Like he's just okay. Like he's he's an outstanding defender. He gave Shea yes. fits last night. Yes. He you want to look for the number yes. one reason? He and Derek White did. Yes. I asked and I even asked Shea about it last night, and he didn't really want to admit it. Um, he did say they did a good job. But they made him really uncomfortable last night. They made yes. they made his handle look a lot looser than it has in a long time to me, uh, and it's just because they have just crazy length. Um, but they don't have anybody to initiate offense. They didn't have anybody to go help them. They got a ton of shooters, and if they just had one guy that could go, you know, help out, it would have been 
you know, I think they, I think the Spurs could have comfortably won that game. I think the Spurs should have been up 25 at half against the yeah. Thunder with how bad the Thunder played. But the truth is, like, the Spurs were just, just a little bit better, you know, than horrific. And that's, yeah. that's what led to it being close and the Thunder eventually taking it. And the reason that it was even close at all, and the reason that they, weren't up 25 is because Mike Muscala came in and hit three threes, just bang, bang, Damn bang. you, Mike. And Mike, Mike is helpful. I wonder, because last season, they pulled the plug on Mike. They said, that's enough, Mike. Yeah. We've had enough, Mike. <laughs> He's helping too much. And I wonder yeah. when they will pull the plug on Mike again, because I, I would assume that they will. They did it last season unnecessarily for the entire second half of the season, right? Yeah. That's and that's one that people don't talk about. Like everybody talks about Horford, everybody talks about SGA, even though the SGA thing was legit. It's funny because like the only things that that were just dictated by circumstances were Al Horford and Mike Muscala. Those were the yeah. two things that were dictated by the circumstances that they had and they wanted to get a look at the the other bigs that they had. So perhaps they yeah. make a trade for a you young You can big. say that. Yeah, or perhaps they bring Isaiah Roby from the, the G League, and they're like, oh, we we really like Isaiah Roby. <laughs> and he can play backup center <laughs> now to JRE. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It was it was an interesting game. It was fun. The arena was popping. You know, there was everybody mm-hmm. was really excited. Uh, Michele, I, was, I could have reached out and touched one of the first – NBA prospects that we ever bonded over, and that's Derek White. He just sat <sighs> right, just right in front of me. He was just right there. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was kind of a weird. It was just a weird moment for me. Just be like, that's that's Derek White. That's my guy. Yeah, that's McKelly and I's still, guy right there. Still think, yeah, I still think he was a good pick. He's a good us. pick. He just like, he just belongs on a good team. You yeah. know, like Patty exactly. Mills. Matty, Patty Mills looks great, and he's old, but he looks great for the Nets. Yeah. If Derek White had a role like that, oh, like all the Bruce Brown love that everybody had last season, I would be going to Derek yeah. White right now. Everybody, oh, look look how great he is. He oh, can sure. do all these things. Sure. He's not a primary though. Yeah. On Mike and on the other guy that is responsible for OKC being not bad, uh that that horrible Kenrich Williams guy who keeps playing like great basketball yeah. uh, in every every game. Um if you look at the lineups with Shea... Oh, no, mckelly has gone. Uh, we'll talk about lineup data here in a second. But uh, he's talking about the two guys that were most responsible. Here, I'm going to add him back. Are you back? <sighs> yes. Uh, this is not my connection. Is my fat fingers. <laughs> uh, I wondered. It cut, too, it cut too cleanly for it to be a connection issue. Exactly. Uh, it's the second time. Uh, the first time you were not online. Uh, the second one you see you saw it live. It was too good the first time. And I tried again. Um, so um, lineup data. I tried to to pull on a clean the glass all the lineups with um, all the lineups for KC and the net rating is pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, but if you add uh, Kenrich, Mike, and Shea, like those lineups are positive. Mm-hmm. And if you add Giddy. Uh, on 200 possessions, so not not a, like a, it's still very very low. Not enough. Yeah. Um, n- not enough, but but still, uh, the eye test is those lineups really work, and yeah. the data suggests exactly the same. If you add Giddy, 
now we are going into the very, very narrow number of possession. It's 65. Yeah. They work really well. And to me, it makes all the sense in the world. Like you have a space, um, a center that can space the floor, a very high IQ player that can defend and, and can hit an open shot in Kenrich Williams. You have two amazing ball handlers. Um, those lineups will, will be there uh, in like two close games. And um, I discussed with John this morning uh, for Thunder After Dark, one possession that I think it's that's worth to mention here uh, for the rest, uh, go there and listen to, uh, to everything. But there was a moment uh, in Giddy's game. It was not a good game for him. Uh, it was terrible in terms of uh, shot selection in the first half. Um, the shot wasn't falling, but Mark Degnold decided to put him back when the moment was like the most important moment of the game. Yep. Like uh, OKC was there. I think it was plus three um, OKC possession. And he takes the ball, makes a head fake, and the defense goes completely wild. And he finds an open shooter. I don't remember who that was, uh, but it was a clean three and OKC made it. Or no, sorry, uh, he faked the pass for, for an open three and found uh, JRE probably under the basket. It was a moment where Ludor. he was in complete was control. Ludo. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, they were up 95-92. Yeah, uh, Lonnie, death possession. Lonnie just made two free throws, and it was it was like the possession of the game because there was fifty one seconds left, and it exactly. was like, yes. okay, now like you either ice the game, or or it's you, free throws, or they who, yeah you knows. play you play the free throws or whatever. But he, yeah, Giddy, and that's what I'm talking about with like creating a bucket. Like the the Spurs yeah. couldn't create something. And again, like Shea didn't have it going last night, but he still pulled the defense away enough so that Giddy could get into the action. And then, you know, Dort's just a smart basketball player too. And he was in the right spot. And uh, Giddy found him just for an easy bucket. And you have to credit, you have to credit Mark, you have to credit Giddy for, you know, taking that moment on. Like that was a, that was a big deal. And, you know, it's, it's frustrating. Like the wins can be frustrating, but like I don't know. They're three and six. It's 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 not like they're world beaters here. I think that they're still gonna be and I predicted like during the summer that they'd be anywhere from like three to eight or something like that. And I still think that that's probably the case. The preseason and the beginning of the season made us kind of recalibrate that a little bit, but I think we have to kind of bump back to where we started. Where they're gonna be the twenty to 25 wins probably you know normal bad is is all that they're going to be like they're going to be a normal bad team and the fact that they have some fight in them i think that's a i mean that's a good thing and it's it's yes it can be frustrating but they're being coached well they're learning good habits uh i think that they need to get some of these g league guys back and put them in the rotation because if those guys are in the rotation instead of some of the other guys like Kenrich and Favors and Mascala, then things are a little different. Although Favors was, whoo. Yeah, Favors was bad. Really bad last night. Missed some bunnies. Yeah. Like some easy, easy stuff. Like the Thunder should have won that game by 12 if Favors yeah. just made the shot, the easy shots that were there for him. But yeah, Mike, I think this is the first time this season that uh, Shea was not the leading scorer. For the team, it was mm-hmm. Mike Muscala who had 20 points, four boards, two blocks on the night, and he was overall a plus eight. 
No, really nice night from him. You know who else had a really nice night, McKelly? I know who. You know who else was really good at the podium last night, McKelly? I think I know. Darius Baisley had oh, yeah. his best game ever. Yes. I'm going to call it. And it has nothing to do with his shooting percentages. I don't care if he went 0 of 9. But if he played the smart basketball that he did with the passing, rebounded the ball extremely well, was locked in energy-wise for the entire game. And that's something that I've really been looking for. Is this is he locked in with his energy on all plays? And not just the big plays. Is it every play? And last night he was. I completely agree. Um, he was very, very, very good. And <clears throat> I love, I loved everything he did uh, on the basketball court. I love the way in which he um, drive the basket and not forced anything. He found others. And <clears throat> I think this is the Baisley that I think is down there somewhere. Uh, the Baisley who knows when to take a shot and when not to force a three. Uh, the Baisley that can take an advantage uh, to big guys that are slower than him. And, and he put together a very good game from top to bottom. And um, he deserved to be on the court for the majority of the closing minutes. He was helpful. And he was not, again, he was not taking like eyes of shots for no reasons. And I think that that is the... That is the goal for him. Um, now, will that continue? I don't know. I wouldn't bet on it. I want to see it like for a couple of weeks before we decided that this is a new way. Yeah. Uh, but hey, if this is the way, then that player has a place in a good on a good team, uh, not generally in, in the league because he was effective defensively. Um, maybe he helped that he didn't have to guard, uh, as John mentioned this morning, a guy like Anthony Davis. Like... Um, it helps. It really helps. And maybe like Shay, uh, sorry, Baisley is more tuned to guard guys like Paul George. I remember in the bubble when he guarded Paul George. And it was really good. Um, he was able to stay with him on switches. Maybe he's more like a wing defender than he is like a big defender. And, and yeah, if you can find a guy like Giddy who's better in defending force, and then maybe, I don't know, something like that. Maybe it will work out. Yeah. Because offensively, if that is his role, like a guy that can beat his man off, off the dribble and create for others and maybe finding some um, good shots at the rim and maybe hitting a three once in a while, then that player has, uh, again, that player is helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was, he was really, really good. I loved Mark's answer about him last night. Did you hear? Did you hear any of that? No. So I just asked him, like, "Hey, I thought I just I think I said something like Basil was really good tonight. You know, I I thought he brought great energy. Like, what is your what are your thoughts on his night?" And he he said that he hit a new. He said that was a new ceiling for what he can bring uh, physically and energy wise. He said he basically will do this thing where he hits a new, like a new level. And he did. He hit a new level last night. And then, like, Mark's uh, well aware and is willing to speak honestly about Baisley, too, because he said the next thing he said was the next step is can he do that consistently? 
Mm-hmm. Like, can you do it again? Because of course he can do it. Like he did it tonight. That's great. But you know, he, and even Baisley and Baisley, I mean, he is up and down and up and down when it comes to like how he speaks to the media. Um, but he's very up last night. He started off by not answering a question, but just shouting out Mike Muscala and talking about how much he respects Mike and his game and his work ethic and things like that. And like Joe asked for a little bit more from, from that. Like, why did you, like, what, what prompted you to say that? And he talked about how he looks up to Mike and, you know, it was like, okay, that's cool. That's great. And I asked him, you know, sometimes you, you want to ask guys about like these big moments they have just to see, you know, mm-hmm. if, if they are going to say anything. And I asked him about his putback dunk that he had last night where he like went up like big time, wow. you know, that was a, like that was, dunk. it was, it was one of those moments where like everybody's kind of looking around like, whoa, <laughs> that's, that's really impressive. And, you know, he got really excited to talk about it. And he actually went into it by talking about, he's like, yeah, you know, like before the game, I was talking to one of the coaches about my offensive rebounding or getting back on defense. And he just told me that I need to be more decisive on what I decide to do. And he said that as he, he said, as I was sitting on the bench, I just saw a lot of the Spurs eyes just watching the ball go up. And he said, I knew that I could crash the boards and, you know, have some success because there was a lot of watching and not a lot of Hmm. physicality. And it it was just a really interesting, good answer that I didn't expect. I just thought he would just be like, oh, yeah, I just went up and got it and slammed it, and that was really cool. You know, <laughs> that's kind of the, the general answer you get from people. But he went into it as to like why he did it, and then he talked about like how oh, the timing just – he was like, it just ended up being perfect. You know, the timing just ended up being perfect with the way the ball bounced. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. And I, I'm with you that I just I, – I won't believe it till I see it with regards mm-hmm. to, to Baisley on his consistency. But but last night, like that was the vision for what he can yes. do. And it's not taking ISO possessions. It's not being a ball stopper. It's making a decision. Once you get the ball, are you driving? Are you shooting? What are you doing? Whatever you need to do, do it. Like Just do it. Don't stand there yes. and try to assess the defense because you're not that guy. You know, Shea's that guy. Shea can stop the ball and assess what he wants to do and then just go get it. Basically, is not that guy, and that's okay. There aren't very many yeah. of those guys in the NBA. So yeah. it's perfectly fine that he's not that guy. But if he is the guy that plays hard on defense, grabs boards, pushes the pace of the game, and can just make plays, like that's, wow, what a valuable player. Whether he starts or comes off the bench, doesn't matter. That's a yeah. top eight guy on every team. He would have played on... If that's the Darius Baisley you get every night, which it's not, but if it was, he would play on every NBA team that that the Thunder have played so far. He would play and start on a lot of them. Like the Lakers would yeah. kill for a guy that played like that every night. Like they need somebody yeah. like that desperately. Like that would he would be perfect to pair next to Anthony Davis. Is that if that's what he did? But the problem is that's not what he does. That's not what he does every night. And so we just need to see if he can continue to push to like blossom and become that. And we saw the same thing. We've seen the same thing with lots of different players 
for the Thunder throughout the years where they're young. Yeah. And they put together this stretch, and you're like, wow, like we've seen it with Abrinas, we saw it with Ferguson, we've seen it with lots of guys. And then they just, they could flame out. Or we saw it with Jeremy Grant, where it was. Exactly, I was about to say. Like, what is Jeremy Grant going to be? Well, for a while there, it looked like, I don't know, he's going to be anything, you know? Yeah, it's like a a stay in the corner guy. He seems good at defense, but he's really not. He's like just long and athletic. And then the next year, yeah, maybe he's good at defense. Maybe, yeah, maybe he's playing like center minutes. What is that? And then, hey, that Jeremy guy, useful player. And if that is the projection that Baisley will have in the coming years, hey, sign me up. Um, but again, we need to see it. It's one game. It's one very good game. A game that will give you like po- like a lot of positives. I remember yeah. uh, Teo Maledon last year playing against Portland and he was so decisive with his three ball. Like he was letting it fly after every single screen. Wow, what a game. We like the Teo that is uh, assertive. We like the Teo that is taking trees like aggressively uh, getting to the basket. And that was about it. Like yeah. he was never there again. Um, so we never know. Uh, but I like the fact that, and this is something that I think James Anderson uh, asked me multiple times on Twitter and on Thunder of the Dark and stuff like uh, Question of the Day and stuff like that about the possibility for Baisley to be a mismatch um, in pick and rolls for big guys. Yeah. I completely agree with that, especially if you have a guy like JRE that is so smart. And he knows where to be. In multiple occasions, he was the recipient of uh, Baisley's passes because he was able to move and, and to be in the perfect spot to get the ball after the pick and roll or the um, drive from Baisley. So those things are very interesting to me. Uh, I still wonder if Baisley would be best in a bench roll where he can like just cook on slower guys, like on the Eubanks. Uh, on the Thad Youngs, uh, I, I, like I don't know if we could like pair him with a elite shot blocker uh, like Boldel. I don't know if his effectiveness is the same. Maybe it's not the chance that he had his best game against the Spurs, who had like who has basically no uh, rim protection and no rebounding. Um, but again, even if that production is the production of a guy that comes off the bench, that is still very good. That is still 23rd pick worthy if you can get a, like a good rotation player out of pick number 23. Um, yeah. I really think that if this is the Baisley, great. We just need to see it uh, for a bit longer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm happy for him. I'm happy to see that he's, that something at least clicked for one night. Now, let's, yes. it's time to build on that. It's time to build on that. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Uh, yeah, Jeremiah was really good last night too, and yes. showed you glimpses of of what is to come because he's already doing like the things that we are like begging Darius Baisley to do. Like he just does them, you know. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's locked Some in. Some of them. He he he's not as athletic as Baisley mm-hmm. is, but he is sm- makes smart plays on offense. You yes, know, takes good shots. Takes wide yes. open shots. The thing that will be one of the defining things for his career is: Does anybody care if he shoots? You know, and if he continues to so. shoot like he does, they'll eventually care. They don't care right now. Like nobody cares no. right now. Uh, but eventually, if he keeps shooting like this, maybe they'll care. And then, can he continue to shoot like that when they care? I think is um, an important. thing. Can I for say him. something silly? Yeah, I'm Jerry. Yeah, I don't think that uh, him being a starter or not depends on his offense. I think that uh, the the major challenge for him is is he going to be able to play center minutes regularly from yeah. a rim protection and rebounding standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I think like if you take a guy like that and he's able to play center minutes for you, um, the offensive part again, I I don't have any. Doubts. I mean, yes, we can say he's a thirty-five percent shooter or better. Is he uh, four ga- four threes per game or better? But I really question the um, the rebounding and the way in which he can impact defense. He can yeah. switch. Um, I'm yeah, kind of confident that he can switch. Uh, at, sure. at which level I don't know. But can he stand in the post against a good guy? Right now, no, he doesn't. And I think that that answer will not be here until like maybe year three, year four. But if that happens, yeah, he will be a very good player. Yeah, I mean he's played nine games, so exactly, and, and he's been good. But I have more questions on the defensive side. I don't know why, but offensively, he's he's just one of those guys that knows how to play defense. It's like Kenrich. Kenrich knows how to play. Uh, sorry, offense. Kenrich knows yeah, how to play offense. Play. Yeah, yeah. I I just believe he'll figure it out. On the defensive mm-hmm. end. Like, he's too smart. He's too tough. He's too strong to not figure it out. His feet are good enough. Yes. To do it. So, I really just don't have that many concerns about him. I love that they're playing him big minutes to start the season. I think that's yep. going to be tremendous just for his progression. Because he's ready. He's ready to get out there. And is he going to defend perfectly every night? No. But he's going to get stronger. And he's... I don't know. He's an insightful guy too. Like you, will he be meaner than what he is right now? Like a little bit more. I don't know. Draymond Green ish. He's. I mean, he's friends with Draymond. You know, Draymond's one of his mentors. I don't know. Draymond has no friends. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I call him yet. Jeremiah. Jeremiah is not mean. He's not a. Okay. He's a. He is. He is a. He's a joy to be around as a human being. Mm. So that nastiness will not come yeah. from his personality, will not come from his innate personality, which I don't know. I mean, there are like genuinely nice, like Tim Duncan, like had some nastiness to him, but like, oh yeah, personally, you know, I don't think you, I don't know if I've ever heard anything bad about him, you know. Steve Nash is the same. Steve Nash had some nastiness to him out on the court, but just a, yeah. a wonderful guy. Chris Paul. 
Chris Paul has some na- has some nastiness, and he's not like personally like incredible, incredible person. So yeah, it's not there's not necessarily a line of delineation there. It, it, it there are, you know, like the Rashid Wallace's and Dennis Rodman's and you know Draymond Greens of the world who are just a little bit more brash, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but those t- guys are guys that um, carry. Yeah, carry a lot in the defensive end. By the way, mm-hmm. by the way, when sh- should we start being a little bit like nervous about Ludort? Oh, it's a good question. Uh, let me pull up his season stats. Oh no, no, no! You don't want to do that. You really don't want to do that. <laughs> Lou is I mean, I'm, 30, I'm... 34% from the field. Oh. 22% from three. Nice. 89% from the line. Hey, that's good. That's good. Where is he? And he shot the second most free throws on the team. So it's not like nothing. Yeah. He's 25 of 28 for the season. So I don't, I'm not concerned, man. I'm just not. This hmm. season, this, there's not a lot that he can do this season, good, bad, whatever, to make me feel like. He's not a like he's a rotation guy, you know. Hmm. There's just not a lot that I'm. I'm not. I'm not worried. I've seen him. I've seen him enough. Where I'm just. I don't know. I'm not worried. I question. Like we are questioning basically a lot for his decision making. Sometimes I see Dort making the same, like rush judgment calls. Like the, yeah. I'll drive. I'll drive yeah. in just whatever. He did that it last night. He did this. He did it last night. He got the rebound, and Shea was right next to him. I don't know if you remember this play. I can't remember mm-hmm. what it was. Had the ball, and he was just like ignored Shea, drove the ball all the way down the court, drove to the basket, and nothing happened. <laughs> you know, Does, yeah. yeah, I get it. The reason that I don't care as much, the thing that I I do the. Decision making stuff kills me with Baisley, but the effort stuff kills me even more. Mm-hmm. And like Dort is just Dort is locked in every game. If he, if he could play forty eight minutes, he would do it, and he'd be locked in for forty eight. Yeah. So I would when this team is good again, and if Dort's on it, his his job is take open shots and defend the best player on the perimeter. Like that's his yeah, but job. he should make them. But he should make them a bit. I'm not worried. I'm just not worried about that. Okay. I'm not worried about the results. I am a little bit. Let's me let me say this. Because I I didn't buy the yeah, I like the fact that he would he would magically be a good finisher at the rim. Mm-hmm. Uh mainly because there is less space uh on some of the oh, yeah. lineups that he oh, plays yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no like when you have, yeah, when you have JRE and and um, in favors and Basley, wow, where's the space? Like it's There's and Giddy, Giddy is not a floor spacer, uh, nope. not right now at least. Nope. So it's there's really nothing there. Um, and there was a comment here about Eric Castilla. Dort is a winning player. I agree. I I I completely agree. I mean, I love Lou Dort. Uh, he's a guy that. Is one of these uh, of the players that I was mentioning before, like the guy that will carry you a long way because of their defense. But I'm slightly worried 
about the offensive side of the ball where I don't see many things that he wasn't doing last year and last year he was doing them at a better in a better way and now it seems to me that in order to be a good finisher is trying that way too much and nice I don't know finish there last night spun it off the, I know off the backboard I like yes. that yes who, who's it's shooting better who's shooting better zero to three feet this season um Lou Dort or Ty Jerome? Uh, Lou Dort. It's Ty Jerome, actually. I'm trying to. Okay. I'm trying to throw you off right now. Who's shooting better at the rim, Lou Dort or Poku? Uh, how many shots? Like Poku, like one shot, two shots, <laughs> five. It's not, it's not many. I don't know. I don't have the total number of shots here. This is on Basketball Reference. That's probably Lou Dort. Uh, it's it's Poku. He's shooting. Better. Oh, okay, that's bad. What about Tell Josh? me the percentage of Lou Dort. What about Josh? Zero to three. Yeah, Josh is Josh is clearly better. He should be better. He is Don't a tell lot me that he's worse. worse. A lot worse. Josh Giddy? Yep. I don't uh, believe that. Lou Dort from zero to three feet this season, sixty-three percent. What? Yep. No, I don't believe that either. Believe they it. they are not. No, that's that's wrong. That's a wrong stat. Josh or Giddy, or maybe. Fifty-four percent. Of all people that that would not let the numbers lie, come on. No, you know what? What do you have the per, do you have the numbers on drives like the points per drive? Um, I can pull it up. I can call it up real quick. Um, <laughs> is that it's perplexing? Isn't that isn't that a little perplexing? It is perplexing to also, me. Also. Giddy is, and I don't know where to find this stat. Maybe you know where to find this stat. He has to be near the top of the NBA in getting your own offensive rebound off of a, your own missed shot, right? Yeah. He does it all the time. He did it, yeah, I, I don't think, think he did there's twice a stat for night. that. Um, but he's, he's, he's very good at it. And so that, that also means like you have to miss those shots. You know? In order to be able to get those. I'm still confused. My mind is like trying to figure out why my, my mind calculated that Ludort was below 50% on drives and, and now you're telling me that it's 60 and change. Well, let me look at the drives. Just chill out for just a second, McKelly. It's okay. It's okay. Hold on. It's two. It's turnovers and like charges and stuff like that. All right. Let me take a look. All right. Drives per game. He is third on the team in drives per game. 10.6 drives per game. Uh... Shea is 22.9. <laughs> Giddy is 13.8. Um, let's see. Points per drive is 4.5 points per drive for Lou hmm. against Dort. That's better. Yeah. But still high. Well, anyway, I'm wrong. It happens. It happens quite a lot. Um, I... Again, I, I see too many drives. Too many drives in crowded areas where just... He is attempts 1.5... No, 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 I'm sorry. Hold on. Field goal attempts. 3.1 field goals attempts per game on drives, and he's making 1.6, shooting 52% on drives. He is... Yeah, turnovers. Turnovers. He's first on the team at 1.1... Uh, Shea is at one. Giddy's at point nine. Okay, 
Okay, that's that's a little bit better. So on five offensive possessions, one is turnovers, four mm-hmm. is shots, and he makes 1.7. So 1.7 on five is better, like two in my mind. He's now, shooting a better percentage that, on drives than Shea and yeah. Giddy and Baisley and Ken Rich. But the, the relative number of turnovers is really high Yeah, for him compared to the number of shots. So he's 1.7 But made do you feel a little bit better about him now? Are we feeling better about Dort? No. You get no. some Dort feelings here? No. It's one turnovers. Uh, one turnovers on, on, uh, on, on, and 1.7 made. That is bad. But anyway, um, I don't know. It, something is off. Uh, something is off. Uh, I think uh, in his distribution and the way yeah. in which he generates offense for himself. I, I think I, I have this idea, and I, I really paid attention. Um, it was this morning, yeah, this morning uh, when I was watching the game, and it seems off uh, to me. Now I think that he should be more willing to take open trees. I I wouldn't really mind if he ends up taking six trees per game um, because I think that that is more um similar to what he will do in the future compared to yeah, yeah let let me drive um 10 times per game i don't think that that is uh, in a closeout situation probably but my ideal distribution for what is 10 shots and six are trees and four four are like drives slash like transitions and stuff like that mm-hmm. maybe five and five but to me right now the production is a little bit skewed and i don't know Something is a bit off, but maybe it's yeah. just my mind that it's tricked me. Maybe I'm not paying enough attention. I don't know. It's early in the morning when I watch games. Can I have that excuse? Yes, I'll give you. I'll give you that. Uh, this is funny. Three guys on the team have made eleven threes, total threes. Um, Lou Dort, he's eleven of forty-nine. Whoa, twenty-two percent. Mm. Uh, Darius Baisley, 11 of 41, 26%. Oh, wow, yikes. Uh, Mike Mascala, 11 of 27, that's 40%. That's pretty good. Oh, and then yeah, one, two, three, three guys are also have taken 27 total threes. Wow, Mike Mascala is number one at 40%. Josh Giddy, seven of 27, which is 25%, which is a, a winning number yes. for you. Yes, exactly. Ty, I'm Ty winning. Jerome. JM coming. Uh, Ty Jerome, 7 of 27 as well. The exact same number yeah, as Giddy. It's not going to stay that way. I am 100% sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite interesting. Quite interesting. How many How many uh, trees um, Shea has right now? 60. 60. 22 um, 30. 60. 36.7%. Yeah, that sucks. That's yeah, that is. That is. Yeah, that's good. And, and like going back to the beginning of the pod where we were saying uh, this is not a good team. Yeah, it's not a good team. But if you like, let's analyze these games with a bit of like, like no bias. Mm-hmm. They were very bad for two games. The first two games, they were bad. You could say they were only really bad against Houston. That was a very, 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 very bad game. Yeah. But for the rest, they were not bad. Like for multiple parts of any game that they played after Houston, they were competitive. Maybe not in Golden State, which is, in my opinion, and I I didn't bet, but I I feel like a plus, uh, like a over under form. I put them like over, sh- like sure over. 
Um, so that to me is a very good team and it's no embarrassment to be bad in San Francisco. In every other game, they were competitive. And you could say that in Los Angeles, they should have gone 2-0 and not 1-1 because they yeah. were better than the Clippers. And and if you, if you sum all this up, this is not a bad team. Again, this is... Uh, this is a team that is weirdly competitive, and they are competitive while shooting awfully from the three-point line, which is scary because, like, yeah, Basley will probably be bad. Uh, Giddy will not be a good shooter. Poku, uh, I don't know. Uh, but all the I others, <laughs> uh, I have no idea. Uh, but but, no, but all, good. All, all the others are probably going to be better. And there will yeah. be nights where Lou Dort shoots like six out of eight. And you will win that game if it's against like a normal team. Like they 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 beat San Antonio while shooting 28%. I know that they that, that San Antonio shoot worse than them, but 28%. It's still yeah. very bad. So it's bad. It's very bad. <laughs> it's bad. It's very bad. Um, yeah. yeah. It's Man, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. This team is not. They're not good, but they're fun. They're at least playing. They they play hard, <coughs> and especially it's it's nice when there's a crowd that's back, and that you have something where you're. I mean, it's not a bag over your head sixer situation, you know. Like yeah. That's not what what they are at all. No. Which I, I think for an Oklahoma City crowd. That's a good thing. So, uh, all right. We will be right back after this quick break. We're going to look at the standings. We're going to talk other teams. We're going to preview the rest of the week. Uh, We'll be right back. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And we're back from that quick break. Uh, let's take a look at these Tankathon standings right now. The Thunder, if the order, if the the lottery order was just what it was, the Thunder would be picking sixth in the draft. Sounds quite familiar to me <laughs> to be picking sixth. The teams that are ahead of them in the reverse standings: San Antonio Spurs at three and seven, who they could have flip flopped with. Uh, Orlando, who got a win last night uh, with Cole Anthony. You, you're rethinking any of your Cole Anthony takes? No, thank God. I, I I don't have time to watch the magic, or at least I didn't uh, as of today. So I don't know. I do know, and this was extremely perplexing to me, 
that the best lineup in the league that played more than 250 possession is drumroll. Uh, let me let me read it out loud because it's extremely weird. Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, uh, Franz Wagner, Wendell Carter Jr., and Mo Bamba, plus 18.2 points per possession. Screams, scream, it's just the, the word I, I hear screamed at me is unsustainable. Like, yeah, still no weird. Uh, and Terrence yeah. Ross is the tank commander of Orlando. Yeah, He's a fat minus 22.2 when he plays. Um, which is, he's leading them exactly where they need to go. We need a tank commander as well. We need uh, Derek Favors to be our tank commander. He should... He's trying last He just night, lead them. The yeah, bodies. he tried. He tried. Mark should start him and play him big minutes because it's clearly relevant to our... Together with Maladon, that, that mm-hmm. would be a pairing. Play Maladon and Favors 25. Yep. No, I would probably um, stop watching. But anyway... <laughs> yeah, playing Maladon, Maladon, 25 minutes a game is helpful. It's helpful to uh, yep. to losing basketball games. He is, he's just a, uh, the way I describe him, he's like just the most benign NBA player ever. Because like, he could play, he could play a ton of minutes and you just wouldn't even know. Oh, believe me, I, I did notice him last night. I was there, like staring. Why are you taking like no, not another one? No, oh no, no. Mark told him he's he's gonna play in the G League, man. I can, yes, I can. Uh, I can see that happening. Uh, beat Gracie at point guard. Let's go. Hey, I want to see Viet, that. Beat played five seconds last night. Yeah, five yeah. whole seconds. I mean, wow, wow. Can I say something? Yeah. I want to say something. I want to see Aaron Wiggins with the team. Yeah. Big You'll time. see it. You'll see it. It will happen. But I want to see it tomorrow. Like in two days. I don't know. It has to happen. He's very good. Yeah. Maybe it is this is why he's not playing. But I don't know. He's good. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you could see it. I think you can certainly see it. Um. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's an interesting thought. I think you'll. I mean, I think we'll see everything this this season. I think that's what we'll see. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's take a look at the rest of this week for the Oklahoma City Thunder. On Wednesday, they play the New Orleans Pelicans in New Orleans, who are just a an atrocious basketball team. Just about as bad yeah. as it gets right now. But hey, um, they have Valentinus. I'm really hopeful. They extended him. Yeah, they, they have him. He can. He can. Yeah. <laughs> like to me, that like this is a you want to get fired move. Like last yeah. season, you traded for a big man that clearly didn't fit with Zion, and you extend him before any regular season minutes. You trade him away in order to get another big and extend him again without like a single minutes and then you know that Valanciunas agreed like was amenable to the trade only because he was extended blah 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 come on what are you doing so bad 
Like, at least stop. What, what is forcing you to extend Valanciunas right now? You can offer him free agency money. I, I don't know. And if you can't, that's better for you. Like, don't pull yeah. the trigger. Just stand and wait. Like, how many so teams bad. do you really believe that can, like, can offer Valanciunas, like, good money? <laughs> Why? And he's very good, but he's not like the, the, the center that will put you over the hump. Like, he will not put you in contention. He will never be your, like, your center when the, the game is on the line and you're in the playoffs. He will be on the bench. Memphis has just <sighs> got to be giggling about it. Because, like, you get Steven Adams, who is just a nice player. And they've got yeah. young guys that are developing behind him. And that the hope is yeah. when Steven expires, they can bring in these other guys. And, you know, they, it's, it was just, you know, Memphis did a great job. And the Pelicans are like the anti Memphis of this season. You know, they want to be Memphis. It's funny because, like, they have the, the jaw Zion thing going on. And then it's like, okay, then what did the two teams do after selecting one yeah. and two? Like, how did they, and they're both not, they're, they're both like not tanking franchises and that's fine. Like you don't, that's not everybody's cup of tea and that's totally fine. It just depends on your goals and how you want to accomplish them. And yeah, but man, Memphis has done a tremendous job of putting the right guys around jaw and at least putting like good potential players. And then, and even though like the Pelicans got like this outstanding, they made some outstanding trades, right? That's what the Grizzlies didn't have is that they didn't have the Anthony Davis trade, you know, and they didn't have the Drew Holiday trade. And like they had the benefit of those things. And And yet they still just crashed and burned, like just in an embarrassing fashion. I mean, it is about as bad as it gets. For the Pelicans, uh, I wonder uh, what is the future of a franchise like Memphis and Dallas and New Orleans. To be sure. honest with you, yeah, they had very good draft talent, um, like Zion, Ja, Luca, of course. But to me, like in every of these franchises, and we can include Atlanta, so you can go back to your a little bit too early uh, thing with Atlanta. <laughs> Um, like how they improve really to title contention for New Orleans is nice. I mean, they, they, they will probably be so bad that they maybe get Chet or, or Paolo or whoever, uh, because they will be so bad, um, for Memphis. But the roster is still so much of a mess. And that's what I love about this OKC roster is that it's so flexible. Yeah, but because Zion is a mess right now. The the issue with New Orleans is not like yeah, Griff didn't do uh like but they yeah, still the same thing with, with They still have Ingram. Yeah. Like Ingram, but the point is Ingram's yeah, but not Zion, bad. What is it doing? Like that is the issue. That is the real yeah, issue. It's a big issue. It's, it's like who is he? Uh like is he a guy that will never be in shape? Uh is he a guy that will be in shape? Uh does he you care? Watch that Barkley video? That I think Jay sent it to the chat. I no, I didn't. I, I saw the clip, but I, I I didn't click on it because it was give middle you, of the give night. Give a quick overview. It was Charles Barkley saying that Zion looks like <laughs> it was. So, I, it was something like <laughs> it looks like Shaq and I had a baby. <laughs> I mean, and it's but the point true. To me, it's not he the- looks so. He looks. 
incredibly out of shape. Exactly. And as a as a young player, as a young guy, I mean, guys get like good. that later in their career. It's bad. Not only is he out of shape, but he's constantly injured. Exactly. It could be unless I mean he's got to get it in gear quick. And yeah. If he doesn't, like a Hall of Fame career, because that's where he was headed. Had he just <laughs> oh yeah been in shape yeah. to go play, and maybe he'll get it yeah. all together, and he still will have that. But if he doesn't, and if you get Chet, hey, that is probably the perfect guy to pair with uh, with a guy like Zion. Like put like a three point shooting machine, like blocking shot, passing the ball big alongside yeah. him. Hey, that will work. That will finally work. No Jackson A's, no Steven Adams, no Valenciunas, just the big that can create. I don't, I don't, I don't trust their management to do the right thing with that. Yeah, but, but again, b- going back to, to my original take, like it's extremely hard to build a successful franchise. And you have so... Like so, like the the amount of moves that you really have is so tiny that yeah. you screw one up, you are in big troubles. Now, um, I was reading through the chat, and yes, the Memphis Grizzlies took a swing on Zaire Smith. Great. Is that Williams. the way in which you want Zaire to? Williams. Yeah, maybe that will work. Maybe maybe Jamoran will be enough to be in title contention. But you're in Memphis. It's hard to get another star. Same as OKC. That is extremely hard. It's all about and the team goals, though. I don't know that I don't know that Memphis has the same aspirations that like Presti has like put out there. I think Memphis just like wants to be in the mix. And if you that know? is the case, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, that I is do. So that is so much of, like that is the element <laughs> that is like should be the number one question when talking about team building. It's like okay, yeah. what's the goal? Like when you have like these flow charts. You know, like, what's the goal? And it's this sends you here, this sends you there. That should be the, that's the top question for team building. What's the goal? We would like to be in the playoffs every year. Wow. Okay, great. Yours, your flow chart starts here. We want to win it. We yeah. want to win an NBA championship. Well, your flow chart starts way over here. Yeah. It's a very different thing. We're going to do that and building a sustainable franchise. Hey, that's your... Yeah. <laughs> Your flowchart, which is basically starts a line. way over there. It's way different <laughs> yeah. because when you start comparing like OKC to Memphis and OKC to even a team like the Wizards, it's like, okay, great. They have different goals. They want different outcomes. Like the Wizards just want to be yeah. solid. And sometimes, and I, I loved, I really love, I, I love it like every single week, but this uh, week of Slam and Jam was really good because of that. Uh, because the Raptors... Uh, the way in which Tasmel uh, talked about the um, the Raptors was was very good. I mean, they never rebuild again yeah. uh, under under Masai, which is true. Um, they went another way, like um, like a difficult way. They were mm-hmm. like there waiting, and they pulled the trigger in the right moment, and everything went right for them. But they were mm-hmm. there, so this is another way. And you could say that OKC tried to do the same with Paul George. Yeah, and they certainly did. It didn't go that way. Yeah. So it's true. There is not a single way. But the point is, you need to build and to have something stable. And maybe this is what Memphis is trying to do. Like, let's build something very stable alongside a very good player in Jamorant. And if the right player comes around, hey, that is the way in which we go there. And if not, we'll be relevant for six, yeah. seven, eight years. 
Mm-hmm. And still, the Raptors needed that ball to bounce just right against oh, yeah. the Sixers. And they needed Kevin Durant and Achilles. Clay Thompson to go down in the finals yeah. to get it. It's just the margins are just, once you get there, the margins are so slim. And it just takes just one, I mean, you just take away one bounce of the ball. You take away Kevin's, you take away, you cut off Kevin Durant's toes before yep. the game against the Bucks. The Bucks don't have a title. The Bucks yep. don't have a title. If he just scoots back, the Bucks yep. don't have a title. We're talking inches. Yeah, you know, this is why we love basketball in the end. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is a game, you know, it comes, I mean, you talk about like football being like a game of inches, you know, <laughs> basketball is like just as, just as much the same. Like it just like an inch here and there. There's no Bucks title. There is no Raptors title. You know, like that's, they can just be wiped out just by saying like, Hey, yeah. let's change it. Let's change it just this much. That's it. Yeah. That's it's different. And also the Sixers might be different too. If that ball doesn't bounce in. Who knows? What if the Sixers go to the finals and Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson get hurt? And the yeah, Sixers maybe, win maybe. the NBA championship. Maybe Jimmy Butler's on that team. Like Jimmy Butler probably stays in Philly. They try to figure it out. The Heat yeah. completely different. The Heat, I mean, it's just you just have to realize like, how doors. fragile like every single situation is. Just because that ball bounced the way it did, Miami got a finals run. Because yeah. if that ball didn't bounce the right way, Miami doesn't go to the finals. And then, like, what do we think about Miami? They don't. They don't have Jimmy. They don't have Kyle Lowry. They don't have like this great start that they've had this year. It's just as all just like the the NBA ethos is like very fragile, and like things change with the literal bounce of a ball. Like that's how. I mean, Clay Thompson misses three of his threes in 2016. Things are very different here. See, things change. You 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 went there. You did it this time. You kind of have to when you're talking about these situations. You have to, yeah. right? It's just yeah. Dion Waiters just, doesn't go away to Miami. He doesn't get his um, yeah, like Bears. Uh, how, how was that? Like Eddie Balls? I don't remember. That was a fine moment of uh, waiters careers <laughs> career in miami oh man uh okay anything else oh mckelly are you frozen yeah he's frozen uh okay november 15th you guys we are going to have a down to dunk night at the arena. damn internet connection ruined my oh, joke anyway that's <laughs> <laughs> um, time we, internet is saying to me that it's time go, to go that's right <laughs> a week from today a week from today we are going oh. to be meeting a ton of you guys at the tap house across the street from the arena to do a live podcast, uh, which I'm very excited about. Uh, Alex will be here. McKelly will not be here, which is so sad. But Jay, Taylor, Luke will be there. We'll all be live on stage. Uh, you can come meet us, hang out. Then we will walk together over to the game. We'll all get to sit together. We're going to make up Outrageous Chance, which we'll talk about uh, on Wednesday with Al, and then we'll like finalize some chance on Friday with the Frypod crew. So get ready for that. That's going to be so fun. Then after the game, we'll go down on the court. We will take a picture together on the court, and it's going to be just wonderful. It's going to be so, so nice. So um, 
yeah. If you, I think you can still buy tickets if if you want to. Just go to uh, the Downton Up Twitter page, click the pinned tweet link, and you can go buy a ticket and get into the game with us and do the half court shot competition after the game too. So really looking forward to that. Cannot wait. It's going to be super fun. They play the Heat, and it's going to be. Um, it should be actually a pretty interesting game. I'm really interested to see how they play against that Miami team at home. So, uh, all right, let's go to the stream real quick. Let's see who's here with us. We have uh, Lawrence Field, Chad, Scott, Jake, Art, the Fluky, Cody McChicken, Eric Castile, Zach Vorbenick, Vobernick, Vobernick, sorry. Uh, Timothy Hale, a name, Way Johnson, one. Uh, Alex Bullerjack is here. Nathan Creamer is here. Shannon Ward Poppin is here. Uh, Hoopstock69, as always, Hybrid, Dude Buffet. Uh, Gerardo Martinez is here. Uh, Fitness2018, Blue Diamond Gem. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining. Have a great rest of your Monday, and we will talk to you guys again. Kevin Chen, Jesse Smith, Joseph Dieterman, Frank Terman on Wednesday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.